Welcome everyone to this episode of the Perceptive Podcast here on Game Wisdom, where we examine the art and science of games. I'm of course Josh Placer, and we have another great cast for you this week. We're going to be catching up with the developer of from Turbo Pelvis 3000. He's currently working on the game Fission Superstar X. We spoke to him a few months ago, and we're kind of doing a little catch-up to see how the game is going. So please welcome back to the cast, Phil. How are you doing tonight? I'm fine. Thanks for uh, having me. Not a problem. It's been a few months since we last spoke. How is everything going? Yeah, everything is fine. Uh, we're um, well. I'm uh, testing the game and making the final uh, corrections to it. Making, uh, doing the last uh, like five to ten percent of the job. Uh, like the, the the last part of making a game project always take more time, so it's dragging along. But uh, yeah, the, the game is uh, coming fine, and everything is fine here. So yeah, great. Now, when we last spoke, I think this was I think mid twenty eighteen, maybe mid to late twenty eighteen, and Fission Superstar X was I think about twenty five to thirty percent of the way done at that point. Now, for people listening to us right now, we are recording this at the end of January. So, how far would you say the game is now? Well, right now it's uh, probably around uh, 95% complete. Uh, Well, more than that, maybe 98%. It's just uh, tweaking some stuff, trying to find uh, all the little uh, annoying bugs. trying to find the big bugs that like can come out when the game is just released and then you have some big game breaker bug uh, uh, that uh, prevents player from progressing so i want to find all of, of them before releasing it and also uh, i want to uh, balance it so it's uh, real hard but uh, for experts it's like uh, finishable uh, all the time when you know how how to play, you're going to be able to finish it every time. Mm-hmm. Now, for people listening to us at the moment, I'll include a link to our previous cast where we spoke a little bit more at detail about Turbo Pelvis and the general gameplay loop of Fission. But for anyone new listening to us right now, Phil, if you wouldn't mind, what is, if you could give the elevator pitch to the game again for any new folks listening? Uh, Fission Superstar X is a uh, space roguelike shooter where you must uh, deliver a uh, nuclear weapon to make her famous for a mad scientist. So, that, it, in short, that's what the game is about. Mm-hmm. And for people listening to us right now, if you want to hear more about like the overall gameplay loop, that's what we discussed in the previous cast. For tonight, I want to talk a little bit more about kind of the end of the experience or balancing things, as you said, trying to make it hard without just overwhelmingly, you know, break the player when they try and go through it. And it can be very hard from a roguelike design perspective in terms of knowing just how much you want to push like the procedural generation or just how hard you want to make all those factors. So with Fission Superstar X, I guess, from a balancing standpoint, has the game had any, like, major, I guess, 
uh, hills or valleys in terms of how hard or how easy it was over development? Uh, you mean uh, for the difficulty of the game or the uh, actual development of the game? Uh, the difficulty, like playing the game. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, right now, uh, since it's a game with a big random factor in it, the, the hard part is to uh, balance it. So uh, you still have a lot of surprises in the in the game. But uh, that at some point, the player doesn't like hit a wall of something that's just unbeatable. So uh, you must uh, put like little rubber bands in there just to make it a bit fair for the player. Just like uh, the game checks from time to time how actually the player is uh, is going. So uh, if He's uh, doing a real good run. He's go- the game is going to uh, crank up a little the difficulty. And if he's uh, struggling and if he doesn't have uh, good items, didn't have uh, any money to buy, uh, well, stuff that would help him finish the game, uh, the game is actually going to uh, cut him some slack and maybe spawn less hard enemies and stuff like that. It's not a big thing, but it's just little things that will help the player. Also, um, there are uh, noticeable harder parts in the game because uh, although everything is random, uh, some enemies uh, just come out at some key points in the game. So uh, there are places in the full run that you know it's going to get really hard at that point. But if you pass this, you have a real good chance of finishing the whole game. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, a place I noticed is uh, just after Jupiter, when you get to uh, that, that asteroid called Ceres, uh, it's getting real hard. But after that, when you're done with that part, the game is uh, kind of gets a little bit easier it means you're at 75 percent of the run Uh, although the enemies are uh, harder overall you probably at that point have most of your final build done you can still upgrade a bit and then you can get to the end and probably finish the game but uh, well it's not like it's going to be a sure shot either probably uh, going to have a hard time anyhow so mm-hmm. now yeah, that's with, it okay now with fission superstar you have the different uh, difficulty modifier so you can turn on or off when you start a new game and i guess from a design standpoint what have you like been like looking at in terms of how hard you really want to push the player in terms of those modifiers. Because as it stands right now, you have two extremes. You have the game with no difficulty modifiers turned on, and then you have all those modifiers turned on, which a few nights ago I decided to try that like as a way of going back to the game, and I just got destroyed within like one or two <laughs> levels of it. Yeah, it's... Uh... 
Uh, I, I won't say that I finished the game with all of those turned on <laughs> because it's really hard. And at that point, you've basically removed all the balancing of the game. So you want something that's truly uh, randomized and truly like a and um, a pitiless roguelike that will destroy you. Well, you're going to have it, but uh, it's going to be a r real hard uh, run, especially at the beginning. Uh, after a while, if you pass the beginning part where enemies are uh, really uh, more upgraded than you, mm -hmm. it's going to get a little easier, but uh, I don't even know if, uh, if right now it's possible to finish it like this. And uh, since I'm a bit of an asshole, I did put an achievement to finish the game with that. So. <laughs> you know somebody's going to do it at some point. Like, you give gamers a challenge, they will figure it out somehow. Yeah, I mean, I saw with the uh, dead skin marks, I saw some people do some uh, runs that I thought would be uh, pretty hard to do, uh, like near impossible. And maybe a week after the game was released, I saw some videos of uh, some guy finishing the game with... Uh, like I think it was the, the the motorcycle, which is really hard to play. The guy only had a shotgun that he upgraded all all the time, and he he finished the game basically with that build. Because basically, that's can mark we did balance the game with the basic cars, but at some point we were like, okay, we're going to uh, put a ton of cars, and people are going to try to finish the game with it, and. If it's uh, too uh, too hard, so uh, it's not going to be our problem. I mean, it's just bonuses, it's challenges. Uh, well, if a car is too uh, too bad to finish the game with in standard mode, the, the the people could just play the boss mode and finish it anyhow. With Fission Superstar, I finished the game with all the ships. What I didn't do was finish the game with all the uh, regulator uh, modifiers turned off. So, mm -hmm. yeah. so that's the balancing right now. Okay. And one of the modifiers, and you may have just mentioned that, Phil, I just wanted to clarify for people listening. Uh, there's one that basically removes, I guess, the scaling of what enemies spawn in. Like, as you said, as a game, as you go through the different planets, the game will obviously pull from a greater and harder pool of enemies to spawn in. But when you turn on, or I guess turn off that setting, basically lets, like, any enemy spawn in, like, at any time, right? Yeah. Um, there are limitations, because uh, at the beginning of the game, you have... Uh, a, a certain faction and then after 25% the faction switches mm -hmm. and uh, all of those have their unique ships so those won't spawn at the beginning of the game I mean you can't get uh, like a um, there's an well there are lots of enemies there's one that does a kind of a big ye yellow beam <laughs> that basically blocks a big part of the screen, so it interdicts the player going there, or else his energy will drain. 
Uh, well, that enemy comes at uh, 50% of the game or so, maybe 65. It's only the uh, insect faction that has... an uh, insect faction and the... Um, uh, the, the, the earth faction that have uh, this uh, type of ship. So it can't spawn at the beginning of the game because there is no version for the first faction. But ex uh, aside from that, you can get any type of enemy. If you turn off the uh, weapon, uh, uh, weapon scaling, you're going to have uh, end game weapons at the beginning. So basically you could just start the game some guy spawns with a Gatling gun and destroys you, and that's it, first level. So, yeah, that's uh, the, the kind of things that uh, you can turn on and off. There's also the, uh, well, there's the uh, space hazards that you can just randomize, so you can get uh, uh, any of the hard levels at the beginning. There's the uh, length that you can just turn off or on. So you can have uh, four minutes level straight at the beginning of the game. So that's going to be real hard. Mm -hmm. And like when I played it and I turned off that uh, the scaling feature, like all of a sudden I saw a ship with like a harpoon like going on it. And I was like, what is that going to do? And then just like wrecks like my pilot in like two or three hits at that level. Yeah, that's, uh, I think it, that weapon is a mid-game weapon. Around uh, 40% of the game, you can buy it and enemies can have it. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, yeah, the shield doesn't block it. So it's pretty dangerous at the first level. Mm -hmm. Now... With, I guess, like, keeping with the theme of, like, difficulty and bouncing like that, in terms of, like, the enemy designs, you mentioned, of course, the various factions. What was kind of, like, your yeah. decision behind, like, how hard you want the enemy types to be? Uh, it's, um, I mean, there's a sort of linear scaling that's going on. Um, there's the... Uh, you can see on the different enemies when the, the engine will change. Uh, if the engine looks bigger and, uh, well, the, the exhaust is bigger, you'll see that uh, the enemy will actually move faster. Uh, the, the different factions have increasingly uh, uh, high health points. But uh, those don't scale linear. It's uh, it's more like a step. So basically, when you encounter a new faction, you notice that the the difficulty has increased because it it wasn't uh, like uh, progressing slowly. You you notice that uh, those guys took take a lot more hits. Like at the end of uh, the, the the demo version you uh, basically have uh, some big guns and then you shoot uh, the, the other enemies and they die one shot and you're like, oh yeah, and basically uh, uh, overpower, overpowered. So you uh, made the new faction and then you shoot uh, the guy, you see, oh, he's, he's taking one hit, two hits, three hits, and 
that's a signal that uh, oh you're going to have to upgrade a bit more to, to make it work. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, the, the enemies also have uh, tougher weapons. Uh, the AI also changes. At the beginning, they're pretty dumb. I mean, uh, the, the the turrets more or less fire randomly. But uh, as the game progresses, uh, the turrets will uh, aim more and more at you. They have different types of AI. I think I did uh, 16 just for the, the aiming of the turrets. And also uh, new behaviors uh, are uh, coded into the movement of the different enemies, like uh, fighters will start to avoid your shots. Like you aim at a fighter and... <laughs> The AI detects that you're actually pointing at him, and he'll, he'll try to move uh, around to uh, throw off your aim. So, yeah, the stuff like that. Okay. Now, another part of the game that we didn't talk about yet in this cast is the various boss fights that you have in the game, and the bosses themselves are hard-coded elements. You know, each fight is going to be with a unique character. With that kind of balance between the fixed bosses and the procedurally generated enemies, um, how would you approach the boss designs? Uh, well, I try to challenge different things in the the builds of the player. So there's one. Well, also there are uh, some bosses that are just fights, like the. The, the submarine on Neptune, it's just like a fight, but it's just a long fight with a, an enemy with several different attacks. Uh, the uh, Pluto boss, it's more like uh, you have a big invincible enemy that has a weak spot, doesn't attack with uh, two dangerous attacks, but uh, it's basically... It, teaches the, the, the player to aim for certain parts. Um, and then uh, there's another enemy that's basically concealed and drains your your uh, energy. Another one is uh, uh, surrounded with a swarm of little, uh, little other enemies that will try to, to kill you. So I try to uh, challenge a bit uh, different aspect of the, the player's build like one, you're going to have to use your shield a lot. Another one, you have to move around. and uh, Yes, stuff like that. So uh, that's how I proceeded with them. I tried also to um, get some inspiration from uh, the different planet environments. What could they be? Uh, rocky planets, there's a ground that you must avoid. Saturn, uh, the fight happens just over the ring, so there are a lot of little particles. And the bus will try to run your ship down there to uh, just damage it. Uh, the bus I'm still tweaking and adding new uh, defenses and attacks to spice up a little the fights. Uh, I don't know if you tried recently, but the Pluto bus uh, got a new attack just to make the fight a little more dynamic because I thought it was slightly boring. So I just modified it a bit. Right now, I think it's pretty fun. 
So uh, yeah, that's uh, that. That's what's going on with the different bosses. All right. Now with the game, like as we said, like it's been quite a bit since we last spoke about uh, Vision Superstar X from our previous cast. I guess um, as we were talking about a few minutes ago regarding like the design of it. I guess how has it been? I guess moving forward with Vision, like were there any interesting challenges or things you had to deal with? Uh, since we last spoke to where we're at now? Uh, probably a lot Think that comes up uh, in my mind right now is uh, a thing I thought was, uh, well, not that well done was the upgrade system of the crew. Okay. Uh, what happened was each run, the player always upgraded his crew and then about Half of the game, everybody was upgraded, so it was only repair, heal, repair, heal. Uh, also, when you had really bad characters, of often you didn't see a lot what the different upgrades did. So what I did was that I made that uh, when the different uh, crew members are damaged, uh, their stats may drop a little. It will not happen uh, each time, but uh, the, the stats may drop. Uh, so it uh, forces the player to always have to uh, choose between uh, upgrading his uh, crew members or repairing the ships or uh, healing the, the crew members. Um, so you can have a, a really good crew member that takes a really severe beating and after the level you see that his stats are really damaged and he's now really bad. Also to uh, balance this out because obviously it made everything tougher. Uh, the different upgrades, they add more stats and also the... Um, the new crew member that you can recruit in the the lounge, they uh, have better stats at the end of the game. And it's uh, kind of random how it's added, but uh, you, you don't have really bad starting characters at the end of the game. It's, uh, they, they all get a little bonus upgrade. So you may have uh, one crew member that takes a severe beating, is real bad, you can either choose to, okay, I'm going to try to re-upgrade him, it's going to take a while, but I'm going to keep him, or you can just go into a, a, the, one of the lounges, and then you look at the, uh, the, the new characters that are there, and then you can just, well, I'm going to drop that guy, take a new one, and then carry on. So, it's more interesting uh, for for a game. I mean, you're you're not like building all your stuff and uh, okay, it's done. I'm invincible. I'm going to finish the game right now. So uh, anything can happen. You can have uh, your crew take a severe beating, and your game suddenly is not so good anymore. You have to react, to readjust, and uh, to uh, actually have a chance to finish the game. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah, and that was something I was noticing during when I was playing this way back when you first gave me the press key for Fission. That again, once I got a crew member, it was kind of just, you know, forget about him. Just upgrade his stat after every battle and, you know, who cares about him after that. And it is very hard, I think, and for not just with Fission, but in Rolex in general, about how, I guess, polarizing you want that feedback loop to be. Because as you probably have seen when with other people who've played Fission, that there's always that case where, you know, you get a really good start, and then, like, nothing stops you. But then you have those plays where it just seems like nothing is going right, and you're just being hammered again and again. Yeah, it's... uh... There is a, there's always the random factor. Uh, that's the danger when uh, your game is uh, uh, randomly generated. At some point, you're going to have a really bad uh, game going on. But uh, I have yet to see a game where it's constantly unfair. I mean, at some point, something good will happen. And also, if uh, if some things are really going bad, uh, maybe change a bit the, the strategy, try something else that uh, you like, maybe uh, never tried. So mm-hmm. uh, it was the same with FTL actually. Yeah. I had uh, what I remember played. Uh, I had uh, my little dream ship that I would try uh, to uh, construct each game but uh, I mean uh, the game doesn't didn't give you uh, each time everything you wanted so uh, just have to uh, try something else and probably things will, uh, will get uh, going the right way mm-hmm. now with the weapon designs I guess, has there been any like, major balancing or changes with the various weapons you can put onto your ship since we last spoke? Uh, I don't remember when I gave you the, the key if uh, the super weapons were in there. Um, because right now, there are 32 base weapons and uh, each weapon you can supercharge at a special shop. So you get a, an even more powerful version of the, the weapon you had before. So uh, that's a big thing that changed. Uh, there are uh, super shields that add little bonuses to uh, your, your shield. They do different things, like one actually will damage enemy ships, another one will... Uh, make enemy ships drop cash and uh, stuff like that. So. Alright. Yep, and that was one of the things I really did like. Again, with Fission being so much action-oriented, the different weapons do do a lot in terms of changing how a run will go. I guess, as a question for you, Phil, for the people, for like when you play Fission or as well as like your playtesters and fans, do they go for the upgrade weapon at the start or do they go for a second crew member first? Uh, it depends. Uh, right now, the game really, uh, like, at first, the, the players were a bit confused with how everything worked. Uh, that I saw this when uh, 
players uh, well did some play tests. Uh, so I made the game at first. When you start your new game, uh, you don't have access to uh, that uh, ship selection screen. Uh, you don't have um, the, the possibility to play with the regulator either. So you start with the, the same build uh, for your, your first game all the time. And then the first level, when you, when you end the first level, you uh, have a strong suggestion to uh, go at the first nav point to, uh, to uh, get a new crew member. So uh, the game basically tells you a bit how, uh, what to do at first. But uh, after a while, I think the game counts uh, around five runs. Uh, after five runs, it, it unlocks everything. Um, after three runs, it unlocks the ship's ship selection screen. And yeah, after five, it's the uh, regulator. And if the player is good enough to get to a Pluto and uh, kill the boss, it, it considers it has done five runs and everything is unlocked. Mm-hmm. And would that change in terms of locking features to or locking some of that additional stuff behind how many runs somebody plays. I guess um, how did you settle on five in terms of like when to start unlocking more things for the player to mess with? Uh, completely arbitrary. <laughs> I don't I don't think it's uh, it matters much because I think after uh, maybe well it depends on the player Maybe after four runs, he, he'll get to the, the boss. Maybe after three, I don't know. It really depends on the player. But, uh, yeah, really arbitrary. And also, I don't want to bore the player with uh, restrictions. But I want him to understand how the game is played and the different restrictions that uh, yeah, the game puts on the player controls because fission has uh, somewhat a lot of restriction. Mm-hmm. Especially with again, like the firing angles for the various ships. Yeah, and uh, the the energy. Well, you can use the shield if you have a, a science guy on your ship, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Now, with the events of the game, like um, after each uh, fight, you choose your next destination. You know, sometimes it's an asteroid field, uh, sometimes it's the lounge, shop, etc. Is that completely, I guess, 100% randomized, or does the game try and, I guess, skew or tilt it, depending upon, like, what the player is doing? Uh, there's a lin- well, there's a progression uh, regarding type of environments uh, are uh, present. There's a set uh, progression regarding how uh, the player will advance in, in the, the, the progress bar because uh, there are uh, points that uh, after you, uh, you go after those points, you can't track back. So you could not like get to progression 12 and track back to the beginning. The game will not allow you to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the level lengths, they, um, they change in, uh, 
in phases like uh, at the beginning of each uh, like uh, between two planets you have actually uh, the, the the beginning and the mid uh, mid place and then you get to the, the the actual planet and the boss fight at the beginning the level are shorter shorter except if, if you turned off the, uh, mm-hmm. the the balancing feature and uh, at the end they get long so uh, there, there's always uh, like a little uh, uh, difficulty spike at the the, the end of each uh, run, just just uh, before each bus. But uh, aside from that, the different environments uh, they can't all spawn at the beginning because some are really too hard for uh, starting players. Yeah. So the the hardest one uh, are at the end. And uh, there are some that the player should just avoid at any cost. <laughs> uh, they're not lethal all the time, but let's say you have a, um, well, plasma storm that lasts <laughs> three minutes and you all have uh, energy <laughs> weapon. It's probably going to kill you. So uh, you have to really gauge if you really want to go there on that. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, actually, going... yep, yeah. Uh, actually, that's uh, that's the main strategy of the game. It's really uh, well. If you you must upgrade your ship and do sh- some shooting, and there are different strategies in the different fights. All right, but at the end, you get your choice of uh, navigation, and it's really there that you can really mess up your game if you decide to go to that level just because there's a shop that you want to to go it's basically where you can really mess up and end up in a really hard situation so it's all the time it's choices you must you must decide uh, to uh, take the risk to go to that shop or that place if it's really worth it, maybe take the risk, of, but like try to uh, take an easy route, and it, it will be uh, better. Mm-hmm. Like uh, talking about like the plasma storm, mm-hmm. remind me of like trying to do like an FTL when you have like the events in front of, like of a sun, and you don't have high shields. Yeah, it, what can happen? Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I won't lie, it's a bit inspired by that. <laughs> I mean, uh, I found th- those environments so annoying in FTL, I decided, okay, uh, I need to add uh, more environments to my game because that's a big factor in the, the variety of the game. So uh, that that's one idea. I just thought about it and I said, yeah, I can do a version of that uh, for, for the game. It's obviously different, but the inspiration is the, the same thing. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. there's a, no uh, no correlation between, oh, an iron storm is going to deplete batteries or energy. Yeah, it's not logical, but uh, whatever, it's there. I mean, players uh, probably will get it. Mm-hmm. Now, I uh, guess a few more questions that I have for you, Phil, and then we'll begin to wrap things up. 
Uh, for people listening to us, again, we're recording this in mid-January, so Fission is not out yet, so we can't exactly go all in in terms of a por- uh, post-mortem just yet. But uh, keeping with this theme of talking about like how hard to make the game and balancing things like that, one thing I wanted to ask you, and we'll see how far we can do this without going too much into spoiler territory, is talking about, I guess, the end of the game. Now, Obviously, I'm not going to ask you, you know, what is the final boss kind of thing. But, again, keeping with how hard you want to make Vision Superstar X, I guess, how did you decide, or if you're still thinking about, like, what is, I guess, the end of playing this game? Like, at what what is, like, the level that someone should be able to reach, and then how do you challenge them at the very end of the title? Uh, sorry, um, you just got up, so I didn't get the full question. Um, what I was saying was, how, uh, in terms of ending Fission Superstar X with, like, the final fight, and again, you don't have to go into spoiler territory, but how did you approach, like, the game's, like, ultimate challenge in terms of what you wanted to test the player on and how hard to make that? Uh, well, the final boss of a game like that, it's, uh, I mean... You don't want to make it too hard either. It's a big fight that you want to make. It must be, uh, well, must be fun, obviously, but, uh, it's not like, uh, because it's the final boss, it must be the hardest fight ever. I mean, the player just went through hell just to get there. So at some point, I guess it's the kind of fight that you, you put there. You put a good challenge if the player is ready, you know, make it so that he, he'll be able to, uh, to beat the thing. I mean, he, uh, beat every other enemy and they, something would just come up with some new rule that the player doesn't know. I, every surprise that the game has basically has been thrown at him. Every type of attacks, he saw how it worked and everything. Uh, the boss at the end of Fission Superstar, I did put a little thing different, but it's not a huge uh, uh, surprise. I mean, the, the player basically at the start of the level sees that something particular is going to happen. And then uh, mid-boss fight, it happens, and then the fight resumes. Uh, the final boss is really not the hardest one. But uh, yeah, I, I guess if the player gets there and he's uh, like somewhat damaged, it it can be a pretty hard challenge. But uh, if everything goes fine, he's going to do just fine and just kick his ass after. Uh, <laughs> I don't know uh, how long the fight lasts. It's not short, but it's not like tedious and uh, without an end so Mm -hmm. uh, I think right now it's a little boring though so I'm going to uh, add some something more in there to make it more interesting before I release the game (laughs) but uh, right now yeah I, I mean I just did put it put in there the fight was okay, so I, I just went on to do something else. But right now I'm just doing a, a makeover on the, 
nearly all the bosses. I'm like looking at stuff that annoy me each time. And uh, right now, the the last boss, I must add a little thing to make it to make him better. Uh, I'm not telling what I'm going to do, but to do with it. So in the end, it's going to be pretty interesting. <laughs> all right. And in terms of, I guess, like the future of Vision Superstar X, again, it's still probably a little too soon to talk about this, but do you have any ideas for like post-release support, additional content, things like that for the game? Uh, I probably will add a <laughs> new one later in the game. Maybe... Uh, well, new environment, new enemies uh, is what comes to mind uh, right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably will uh, make them so they make the game harder. Uh, so I'm going to most probably add a switch to turn on or off those add-ons. So uh, if players uh, don't like what I added, they just uh, can try to opt out of it. So. Okay. And trying to think of any final questions for you for the cast, Phil. Um, I guess for people listening to us right now, in terms of Vision Superstar X's release, do you have, I guess, a, a soft launch date or soft release point for the game yet? Uh, late winter, early spring. Okay. Something like that. Uh, it really depends. Uh, right now, we plan to uh, release it uh, at the end of January, but uh, we decided to push back the date for uh, several reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's for the better. The game it's, is going to be better. So, uh, I mean, uh, each time that a big company gets a game out and they, they rush it because they're uh, like uh, hard uh, press to do it and uh, the game is not finished we see a big big uh, storm of uh, angry player uh, going basically uh, berserk over this so I guess player prefer that we push back stuff instead of uh, releasing half finished things and uh, so I, I'm not uh, I'm not really uh, anxious about this but uh, yeah it needed to be pushed back so, uh, mm-hmm. sorry if some people wanted to play uh, in february you can't right now okay and i guess in terms of the design of vision are there any aspects or topics we didn't touch on yet that you would like to discuss oh. uh <laughs> It's really hard to uh, think of something right now about that. Uh, okay. I'm trying to think if there's uh, anything last minute that comes to mind. Um, uh, oh, I guess, I guess here's a quick question uh, for you, Phil, and then I think we'll use this kind of as our way to wrap things up. Okay. Keeping with our theme again for tonight about how hard to make roguelikes and roguelike design, you already mentioned FTL a few minutes ago, but... From like your experience with playing roguelikes and I guess examining them, I guess what do you think is like a good measurement for how hard a roguelike design should get? 
Ah, that's a pretty good question and yeah, pretty <laughs> hard to answer. But the the way I I go about this is uh, I think that an expert player should like start his game and know how to play and if he knows how to play he should be able to finish it. Uh, the difference with uh, games like uh, roguelites and uh, well more uh, like streamlined game and uh, fixed uh, progression games is that uh, you uh, have you have you actually have to learn what the game is doing uh, as a background mechanic with uh, roguelikes to uh, to uh, start to to get how to beat it. You can't just learn that uh, it's going to throw that enemy in your face at that point and at that other point it's going to do that and uh, you you really have to uh, adapt to. Uh, every situation that the game will throw at you and you have to know why it does that and what stats are uh, uh, challenged by uh, this type of uh, enemy, this type of mechanic, this type of environment. So it's more of a process of learning the the overall uh, principles and mechanics of the games instead of learning the overall layout of the game, the overall level design of the game, which uh, happens with many other games. I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, to finish uh, like a shooter, you don't have to learn the mechanic of the game. It's just that uh, you have a lot of uh, learning to uh, acquire more in the uh, in terms of uh, the layout of the levels, the different uh, covers and stuff like that, and what happens at what point. In a roguelike uh, game, you can't really learn those things. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, some are uh, have like set pieces, like uh, FTL, it was like uh, little set pieces that uh, were uh, laid out in uh, on a map. So after a while, you know that uh, uh, if you see that scenario unfolding, you know that the best way to deal with it is that. So that, there's that part of learning. But uh, with a game like, uh, well, let's say Dead Skin Marks or, or uh, Fission, it's more uh, you have to adapt to uh, something that you know that will probably happen in the, the, the near future. Some type of enemy might pop up and you need to uh, have this kind of weapon to deal with it if it happens but since it might not show up you must come out with another solution for that and if you know why that enemy is hard to beat why it does that or that you're going to be able to uh, uh, come up with something else so that's I think it's the main difference with uh, uh, roguelikes and uh, and uh, other games that are more linear and less random. It's more a um, type of learning that you must uh, acquire. The learning curve is different. Mm-hmm. The type of things that you must memorize are different. It's not 
uh, it's not uh, the, the same at all. Mm-hmm. And I think another challenge, as you were saying there, in terms of all the player adapting to the various challenges, is that there needs to be uh, different potential strategies for the player to find. This is one of the issues I had with FTL, and again, for that game's final fight, where it kind of felt like you were railroaded into only a few set ways to win, and it didn't matter how else you played the game if you didn't get what you needed for those various phases. Yeah. Uh, uh, the end boss, initially, I hated it, but... Uh, I mean, I played a lot of FTL because it was the perfect game to play uh, at work uh, during lunchtime. I mean, uh, the, the runs, they lasted about one hour, 30. Mm-hmm. So uh, after two lunches, you could just like finish the game and <laughs> like uh, you could have a good progression going on. But uh, after, yeah, after a while, the, the end boss was, uh, I, I really liked him because actually there are, there were several ways to uh, defeat him. Uh, I did uh, find that, uh, well, eliminating the crew members was pretty good way to go around uh, uh, with killing him. Uh, this is not the main thing that uh, bothered me. I think the thing in FTL that I really, uh, uh, well, would have changed if that, if I designed the game when munition was handled because there were too much, uh, penalties to have, uh, like, uh, r- missile launchers and uh, bombs and stuff like that. Because you could end up with a, a game where your ship is unable to defend itself. So basically, mm-hmm. you just bought all the time lasers and uh, G weapons and stuff like that. So that's the thing in FTL that I thought could have been done slightly better. Um, the game is very good. I'm not saying it's a bad <laughs> game, but it's it's just a flaw that I think is present in there. And it's a shame because many of those weapons are fun to use. I mean, uh, uh, the thing is that the advantages of those weapons are not enough to, uh, to just go along with them. I mean, you have a ship with uh, missiles. Uh, okay, the missiles, they go through the shields, but each time that you cross an enemy with drones, you can't attack him. It's even less effective than uh, than lasers. So at that point, you're just like building your ship to have a thing that fire five lasers and that will hit. And then you're basically dealing with the enemy shields and you don't need any, uh, any rockets or uh, whatever to when the game actually mm-hmm. you just like avoid those weapons yeah and it's always challenging when you're limiting like the really cool stuff like that because it runs into that case of like the player either just hoarding the items for that eventual case that may never come 
or as you said, they may just outright never pick them up because why should I get something unreliable when I have something that's a, may not be as powerful, but it's a lot easier to use. Yeah, um, I did put uh, in my game. There are uh, weapons that use ammunition. I tried to balance it so uh, the player can pick up enough ammo to use them. Uh, well, right now I don't think it's an issue to get ammo. Uh, I mean, uh, I often end the game with like five thousand ammo. I think <laughs> I will probably cut it a little. I mean. Uh, that the player really can hoard a lot of ammo. Uh, the, the main uh, thing I did try was to make, to force the player to have some ammo and some energy weapons just so that he's not energy starved all, all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's how I went about with it. But it's really hard to balance those things. Uh, with FTL, I'm saying I would have done it differently, but what could have been done? I think uh, the main issue is that there are uh, some some things uh, that automatically uh, shoot down your missiles. Mm-hmm. So that's one issue with uh, those. So I don't know how you could go about the uh, uh, getting rid of, rid, rid of that or making it uh, less uh, infiable. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the issue, and that's a real tough one to solve, really. I don't know if they could have done it better, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I think everybody uh, playing that game is avoiding the missile launchers for <laughs> that reason. Mm-hmm. But I think with that, I think we'll wrap it up for tonight. And if you're free again in the coming months, Phil, we can always have you back on to discuss kind of the uh, post-mortem for Fission. Oh, sure. I'd be, I'd be pleased. And uh, probably I'll even have started on my new one. So uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> All right, sounds good. But again, good luck with finishing up Fission Superstar X and cannot wait to try out the full game when it is released in the coming months. And uh, just to clarify for people listening to us, it will be available on both like the major digital stores as well as on console, correct? Yes. Well, on the, uh, right now it's Xbox and PC. Okay. All right. But I think with that said, we will wrap it up for this cast. So for everybody listening to us right now, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out Fission Superstar X. And if you want to watch my video and our previous podcast, you'll find that link down below. For you, Phil, are there any social media uh, sites or links you would like to plug now? Uh, well, the Steam page, obviously, of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, people, if you're interested, just go over there and uh, list the game. It helps us a lot. Uh, there's the Facebook page where I post news and, well, I post screenshots and sometimes videos once per week. Mm-hmm. It's uh, facebook.com slash fishingx. 
and uh, yeah, I I have a Twitter also, but uh, the, it's more on Facebook that uh, the the news are going around. But I try to mirror it on Twitter. All right. Sounds good. So, again, everybody, thank you for tuning in. You like to support Game Wisdom and what I do. There are several uh, areas open. You'd like to be a featured guest for a podcast, whether live or recorded, or write a guest piece. You'll find information and links under Submissions Wanted. I'm always looking to hear from new people, so feel free to send me an email at any time. You can follow me on Twitter at GWBicer for thoughts and updates throughout the day. Be sure to check out the Game Wisdom YouTube channel for daily videos on design, as well as live discussions. And go to patreon.com slash gwbicer if you like to support us that way to get access to ad-free videos and other interesting rewards. But that is going to do it for this week's episode. Again, Phil, thank you so much for coming on, and I'm sure we'll talk again in the coming months. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Not a problem. So, uh, for now, everybody, be sure to tune in next time for another discussion here on Game Wisdom, where we examine the art and science of games. Until then, have a great night.